1: Coming up on today's show, the Nintendo Switch and the Xbox got a new exciting update and inverted players are the best and we're going to tell you why. Uh, Just You know what? It's okay. I interrupted you last week with the turkey noise, so I can't really complain, you know? It's okay. I'm ready, though. You ready? Okay. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm one of your hosts, Brittany Brombacher, alongside Andrea Renee. Hey, Britt! Hey! And one beautiful yet sleepy, Christine Steimer. Hey, Brit. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> you know, I like this job. I think I can just, like, it. <laughs>
2: it's yours. You. You're now the leader of all the things. The I, leader of the pack. Vroom, vroom.
1: vroom.
0: I totally don't get song. that
1: reference at no! all. No. I
0: actually sounded- she wouldn't, but... I'm hoping the people at home do. People at home will definitely know. Absolutely. Whether this is your, it's an old song. You can look it up later.
1: I won't. I already, I already forgot something about vroom vroom. Whether this is your first episode or your 211th episode, we welcome you to our show. It's fun. It's great. Um, What do we have going on today? I don't know, Andrea. Take it away.
2: Well, Brittany, we don't really have a lot of. Anything because as we mentioned on the Monday show this week, which by the way was the final What's Good Games Live of 2020, if you missed that memo, uh, it's kind of a slow news time in December as everybody is kind of powering down to get ready for the holidays and to take a break. But we still do have a few news items to go over and of course some games to talk about. Thank you to November's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, California Cated, Justin Foshi, Punctified Ferris, Atiya, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, and Alex Rogopoulos. Those are actually Decembers. Sorry. Oh well they were also Novembers but they're also Decembers because we're in a new month now. What is time (laughs) everybody? What is time? And welcome to our Patreon community Tobias Hayes, Hopple, and Grant Maloney. Don't forget you guys can be part of the show by submitting us your questions at patreon.com slash what's good games and you can even get the show ad free which speaking of Patreon we put out quite a lengthy note this week and it detailed some changes that we're making to our patreon memberships so if you guys are interested in learning about those changes we highly recommend you head on over because we are doing some moving and shaking or if you're just a passive supporter of what's good games we appreciate you and thank you for your support
0: continue being a barnacle on this ship yeah However, rickety it may be. <laughs> I don't know. When you said passive, I was just like,
2: barnacle. <laughs> That's true. Don't know why. Important, yet passive.
1: Yes. Mm. Mm.
2: Brittany, we've got mm. some new podcast reviews.
1: We do. Oh, God. Here's the Muppet. We have Starkiller 2007, <laughs> Kenny G 138, and Chowda 46. Thank you so much for these lovely reviews. They really do help us out in those little podcast algorithms so new people can discover our show. And, you know, it's, again, I say this once in a while, it's a nice little ego boost because it makes us feel warm and fuzzy and loved. And we appreciate it. It does. And we read them. We
2: do. We also were excited to see some of our Spotify stats for 2020. Had a pretty big year on Spotify, didn't we? We
1: did, ladies. We released 76 episodes for a total of 7,513 minutes of content. Content. That's so many minutes of content. <laughs> that's that's a lot. I know, and it's really fun to see some of the listeners post their own Spotify stats of how much they've listened to our show. And you know, we're number one on a lot of people's lists. And it's just like, oh, thanks, friends. It's like the so seven thousand. How many minutes? Five hundred and thirteen. Five hundred and thirteen minutes. That is
2: oh boy, one hundred and twenty-five consecutive hours of content. Or 5.2 days. You could listen to just the content we put out in 2020. Just 2020. Not mentioning our our impressive backlog of content. For five
1: straight days and nights. That's like a Persona (laughs) 5 run. That's a lot of times. It's true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But why play Persona 5 when you can listen to What's Good Games? You can do both. Technically you could. People do that. You could. Yeah. Mm. 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 Well, very exciting news. Thank you to everybody who supports the show. We love and appreciate you, as we mentioned. Uh, We do have some announcements, but we'll get to those in the break as per usual. So let's get into the news. And I wanted to let you know that this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Logitech G, but we'll tell you more about them later. The first news story is about our good pal Nintendo. What are they doing Um, weird this week? (laughs) I mean, you know, just the thing that should be easy. But of course, they made it hard. Uh, Brittany, you pulled this story about how Nintendo is allowing you, I'm using the biggest air quotes here, to transfer your screenshots from your Nintendo Switch to your smartphone. (laughs)
1: They're doing it in the most Nintendo way possible. So it's called, this article from Eurogamer is titled, Nintendo Switch update lets you transfer screenshots to your smartphone. So Nintendo this week dropped a Switch system software update with a couple of nice features and an ugly new home screen icon that you can't get rid of. This article does have a little bit of snark in it, but I thought it was kind of silly, so I pulled it. First off, there's the ability to transfer captured screenshots and videos from your Switch to your smartphone. You'll need to scan a QR code twice using your phone when selecting this option, because Nintendo. You can transfer up to 10 images in one video at once. Alternatively, you can also now connect a USB cable to copy screenshots and video to a PC. Handy. And from what I've read, that's definitely the option you want to go because using the QR code sounds like it's just kind of a pain in the ass. Also, sound cl- sound Sound claves. <laughs> sound clouds. What's What am I even trying to say? <laughs> Cloud saves will be automatically downloaded. <laughs> Useful if you play using the same Nintendo account on multiple systems. And worth noting that you must manually download software save data once per game on your second console for this to passively happen in the background. But you only have to do it once, and then your sound, sound clouds. What the fuck is my problem? I don't
0: know. Don't
1: know. I was like, I was looking at podcast analytics earlier and I got SoundCloud in the head. All right. If you're downloading multiple games at once, you can now pick one game to prioritize and download first. There's a new trending game page to see what your friends have been playing, plus 12 user icons showing various older Mario games in Brazilian Portuguese language support. Finally, there's this, yeah, this monstrosity. Nice. Shoving all the other home icons along and looking completely out of place, this red Nintendo Switch online eyesore will take you to a screen showing current benefits and membership status so what they are talking about the author is on the bottom where you have like the news the e-shops the photo icons and whatnot the little circles to the far left is this bright red nintendo online icon that's just like there now it
2: is weird that they made it red when all of the other icons have a gray background like why not just have a uniform graphic look i mean i guess they're trying to push people to get the online service but it seems like a really kind of garish way to do it. I, I don't think it's as bad as the author of this article does, because <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time on that screen, on the home screen of my Switch, but... Yeah, it's,
1: it's there. It's definitely
0: an eyesore.
1: It's just kind of like, also, hello. Like,
0: in general, do not like blood red to attract me to things. In fact, it d- deters me from going to said places because I'm like, angry color, don't what? So don't wear a red
2: lip if you're trying to attract stymers, what she's saying. Correct. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I do love a red lip on people.
0: I think
1: that's very It doesn't angry like the color by itself does. No,
0: but like, this just looks like an angry red abort button. <laughs> like, get out of here. Yeah. We gotta leave. Or yeah. a giant record
2: button. That's that's me just hitting record buttons every they for to three and a half up. years in a row. Yes, yeah, true. They want record.
1: For their online subscription But I definitely service. am not like... <laughs>
0: oh I'll, I'll hit this button and give them my money that's not
1: well i hit the button last night because i was playing age of calamity and i was like oh what's this an update uh-huh. and yeah you click on it and it's pretty much just a big like marketing page for nintendo switch online it's really convoluted in a really weird way to actually get to your snes and your nes games in fact like it's just easier if you just have the shortcut on your one of your main games on the um, home page as one of your main games on the homepage. otherwise it's like what do I do with this? Because I clicked on it because my dad uses his Switch primarily for the SNES games. I'm like, there's no way he's going to be able to like click on this or tap this or whatever the fuck you do on a Switch console and then sort through and try to find your games because it's kind of oddly buried in there. So I think it's just like a, hey, if you're not a part of this, please give us your $5 or how much it is. It's cheap. Well,
2: seems very Nintendo, but at least they have a workaround for uh, moving your device or your photos from your device. I usually just um, do like a photo dump, like once every couple of months where I'll take the SD card out and then pop it into my computer. But it is kind of a bummer that it's not smoother.
1: Yeah, it's a thing. Devin Knits, patreon.com slash what's good games, where you can ask us questions every week. Asks, are there any Switch UI changes you'd like to see on the system?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: For the most part, it's like pretty cut and dry. You get in, you yeah. get out. Like you just like Oof. hop on. Here's the, here's the game I want to play. I, I mean, I'd like them to remove this or make it look like a different <laughs> color. I just want them to fix the aesthetic of it. I don't mind that they have that there. I just hate that. It just yeah, bothers you. It's not you. too bad. Yeah, it does bother me.
2: I think the only thing that I would maybe change is automatically putting games I'm downloading into the carousel. Because just because I'm downloading a game doesn't mean I want it right there front and center because then it pushes one of the other games off of that off of that tray right away. But that's like such a minor gripe. I think the UI from the Switch is actually like pretty well done for yeah, what it fine. is. So
1: yeah, I think the no home screen is Devin. fine. <clears throat> but I think the Switch store When we were asked this question, I think around the time we started the show was right around the time the Switch launched and there weren't that many games on the eShop. Now that has changed. And last I checked, there's like 8,000 plus games on the eShop. And trying to organize which games you're looking for because you can only select one filter. And I know for sure the Microsoft store has a much better way of searching for games, especially co-op games or multiplayer games, and then narrowing that down too. But for this, you can only select one filter. So I was like, okay, what multiplayer games are there that I want to look at? And it shows me like 800 games. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, yeah, yikes. (laughs) Yikes, no, please no. So that's probably the only thing I would change. But other than that, it's pretty simple. I like it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for your question, Devin. Let's
2: move on to the next story, shall we? Xbox's operating system got an update that lets players pre-load Game Pass. According to IGN, it's a substantial operating system update and has landed for the Xbox Series X and the S, along with the Xbox One family of systems, allowing users with custom dynamic backgrounds the ability to pre-load Xbox Game Pass games. I should say, why don't we allow... Providing users with custom dynamic backgrounds. Oh, You can have custom dynamic backgrounds and also the ability to preload Xbox Game Pass games. It's just you know, reading words sometimes you guys, it's a it's a challenge. So, preloading for Game Pass means that if you're anticipating a game that's launching on Game Pass in the future, you can choose to download it ahead of time so there are no huge bumps in the road on launch day. In addition, like Netflix does, the Xbox Game Pass app on console or mobile now has a coming soon section that tells you what games are arriving in the near future. Alongside Game Pass preloads are six new dynamic backgrounds, each that pays homage to the previous Xbox consoles, including one with concentric circles that harkens back <gasps> to the days of the Xbox.
1: 360
2: Oh. The update also adds special filters to your game library that allows you to sort games optimized for the Xbox Series X and the S and there's now also a new UI tag that lets you know when a game is utilizing auto HDR which displays when you open the guide menu. You'll also be able to check your achievements in the game activity tab accessed by pressing the Xbox button. If you guys wow. want to read the full update notes you can head on over to Xbox Wire's website
0: I don't know what I hit, but I knocked something down. What what fell? I don't know. Oh, oh. it was just
2: the little command strip that holds oh, okay. the hook. I just holds heard a clank.
0: It oh, it's good. It they never stay bottle, up. I don't see. worry
2: about it. That's what, that's
0: she, what she said. Um <laughs> 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 I lines. hope that's not what she said. <laughs> 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 Some people's reality. Um, oh man. So. <laughs> Anyways, this is great. Lo- thanks, Xbox. Good. <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> i know it's just one of those weeks where you're like okay we have to like fill some time so you're like okay we're talking about nintendo okay, update Let's i'm gonna go on xbox a slight update. tangent go ahead please we need slightly it slightly
0: related to this <clears throat> but right. also not um and i was talking about this with john the other day i was like what's funny to me is that last generation my xbox would always turn on when i turn my tv on and it drove me fucking crazy it would just be like hello i'm here did you want to Play with me, and I was like, "No, nope. no!" I was actually turning the PlayStation on. I remember this <laughs> Sorry, story, buddy. Yeah. Now it's flipped. My Xbox only turns on when I want it to, and now the PlayStation Five turns on when my yeah. TV turns on. And I, this is a hellhole I cannot escape. I will show you. I will show you how to disable Oh, my God, the please do, because he did <laughs> yes. like, know. He was like, I don't know, I was buried in here somewhere. And I'm like, please, someone show me, for the love of God. <laughs> I'll show you. You know, I'll I think about you, Cyber. I
1: remember that story, because that was happening to me in the last generation, too, is my Xbox yeah. would always turn on. And I'd be like, no, please. Now I have to think about turning it off, because I don't want it to run all night. And now, right. yes, my PlayStation 5 is turning on when I'm trying to play the Switch. I'm like, no, baby. Yeah. Not right now. It's It's like, not look, your okay. T-
0: you're over eager like it's a little desperate it's not a good look for anybody just take a breath i'll I'll call on you when it's time (laughs) um that's funny
2: um i did have auto auto turn on for all of my consoles as well we we ran into an issue where we had accidentally um synced one of the dual sense controllers to the other ps5 and so we couldn't oh. tell them apart because they all look the same. Because <laughs> we have a cornucopia of controllers for yes, PS4. Do. And so we just use different colored controllers. But now we don't have any custom controllers put yet. a
0: sticker
2: on it. So I was thinking about doing that. I don't want to just slap any old sticker on there, though. That's a nice, that's a nice controller. I know. You know? I want it to like, look nice. Put a
0: temporary-ish <laughs> one on. Something you can peel off
2: later. Yeah. So basically, long story boring, we're just turning on the wrong consoles constantly.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds correct. Mine just turns on all the time. I'm like, fine, go to sleep. Like, just t- put yourself to sleep. It's fine. It's fine. Just go to sleep. Try yourself go. to sleep. That's what I do every night. <laughs> Me and my PlayStation.
2: <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the next story. But before we do that, I want to let you know that this week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Logitech G's wireless gaming headset, the G733. What's Good Games is super excited to once again be partnering with Logitech G. They've been a fantastic company for us to work with since the inception of our Early days, really. We've loved working with Logitech, and we've talked about them quite a bit on the show. And we've talked to you guys before about the G733 Lightspeed Wireless Gaming Headset that features 2.4 GHz wireless connectivity, front-facing, dual-zone, light-sync RGB technology, blue voice mic technology, Pro-G audio drivers, and on top of it all, we've got multiple colorways to choose from. I mean, what's not to love about this headset? So I've been wearing this headset a ton, you guys, but I do want to tell you a little bit about some of the features. You're going to be able to enjoy total freedom with up to 20 meters of range with the Lightspeed Wireless technology and stay RAID ready with 29 plus hours of battery life. Plus those front-facing dual-zone LightSync RGB lighting I personally love it. John always thinks I'm in a rave when I'm playing video (laughs) games. But it lets you personalize your headset with custom lighting for maximum style and of course they're super comfortable. That reversible suspension headband is designed for the ultimate comfort during long play sessions and each g 733 colorway has its own unique headband design. The soft dual layer memory foam that conforms to your head and contours around the jaw for a better seal while reducing stress points and delivering long lasting comfort so as I mentioned I've been wearing this headset quite a bit during my gaming sessions I've worn it on our streams at twitch.tv what's good games and I love that the USB dongle makes it easy to plug and play on my PlayStation 5 or on the PC and it's just super comfortable that suspension headband really makes such a difference so if you suffer from you know head fatigue from some of your headbands really encourage you guys to give this a try if you want to check this out, we encourage you to go to LogitechG.com to get your own Lightspeed Wireless Logitech G733 RGB Gaming Headset today. That's LogitechG.com, and you guys can check out not only the headset, but you can also check out their entire colorway of keyboards, mice, and all kinds of other amazing Logitech G
0: gear. Hey, we're back from the Logitech. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a really great host, everybody. Guess what? There was an event in Fortnite, because there's usually an event in Fortnite. But this one was the biggest yet. It is called the Galactus event, which, I mean, so the name, it fit the name. It's great. Um, The season-ending live event that just took place in Fortnite was the game's biggest to date, Epic Games has confirmed. The Galactus event, which concluded Fortnite's current Marvel-themed season, had a record 15.3 million concurrent players, the company said. In a very nice tweet. I feel like Brittany is still laughing or something. Okay, yeah. Brittany, are you okay? Are you okay? (laughs) I could just hear her. I don't know what's wrong with me. Brittany, do you know? Did you know that this means Travis Scott needs to sit down because his concert in April peaked at 12.3 million concurrence. So Marvel is bigger than Travis Scott, confirmed. Um, the record before that was The Marshmallow Show, which reached a measly 10.7 million. Measly. Just, just kidding. You're all wonderful people. You've done a very nice job. Uh, Epic says that 3.4 million people also watched the Galactic event on Twitch and YouTube. The event saw players teaming up to stop the Marvel supervillain from destroying Fortnite's island by piloting an explosives-laden bus to feed him.
2: It was it was weird so i i saw some clips of this event and like listen epic games has done an amazing job with creating these viral moments with celebrities and obviously here the celebrity is is marvel and their amazing ip and their characters around this and they've been teasing the lead up to this galactus event for quite some time and i mean it's impressive i love you Brittany. I think I've Hold snapped. it together, Brittany. No, I you think I've this. snapped.
1: I think I've snapped. I don't know. Simon <laughs> is just fucking making me laugh so hard today. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the look on your face when you're like, "Hey, we're <laughs> back." <laughs> got me. Uh, so I'm yeah. a great host. <laughs> Yay! I mean, she is
2: the comedy ninja of what's good games. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, that just means awkward. I uh, <laughs> needed that. So okay. uh, um, cool. Uh, congrats. Epic! You did it again. Now you have to what? continually one up yourself. Boy,
0: there's more. <laughs> Continue because now, Papa. Papa Kratos is the next Fortnite crossover. So this one's Destructoid. The old one was The Verge. Thanks, Verge. <sighs> Thanks, Destructoid, for doing our work for us. Um, Ares killed his family, so now he's gonna kill 99 of you guys. Well, flossin'. Uh, On the heels of Tuesday's Galactus Vanquishing event, Epic has new theatrics already lined up for Fortnite uh, in the form of God-killer Kratos, who will be the next crossover. It started with a very not-subtle teaser from PlayStation, uh, and then people started to find the image on the PlayStation Store. It is traditional Papa Kratos, so yeah, not really a secret anymore. Uh, The only question is whether Kratos will be PlayStation-exclusive or whether he will also make an appearance on PC. It's worth noting that Sony made a $250 million dollar minority stake investment in Epic Games earlier this year and the God of War Crossover is being teased now and is unofficially set for season five, which kicked off Ooh. today, hmm. which means it's live now. Although I don't know technically when this article was written, but sometime this week.
1: Today, I think. Which today is Wednesday. Today? Yeah. Today, today, Wednesday?
0: Today okay, cool. today,
2: Wednesday. So you're yeah. yeah, I'm trying to find this here. I'm but trying to also find this Friday image. if you're
0: watching it.
1: Ooh, yeah. So, um, it was never uh, officially
0: Confirmed. Right. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. It was. a uh, People do their their data mining. Those kids. Yeah. and Their data mining, and they found this, and then everyone's like, "Oh my god!"
2: Yeah. So this is the image. I mean, this looks pretty good. Most of the Fortnite licensed stuff looks really cartoony, but this like looks this looks like Kratos.
1: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: It definitely looks like Kratos.
1: Probably a lot of back and forth meetings on that on this little so, like. Likeness. Can you improve
0: the texture? And they're like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can improve it this much because <laughs> there is an art style that Fortnite has. We need to still remain in that world. But yeah, yeah I do I do not envy the artists that had to fucking collaborate on that. Oh, man. Sorry, thing. I was looking for this Mandalorian stuff. Oh yeah, I saw that. So there's even more Fortnite shit coming up, by the way, because I saw Baby Yoda in a little in his little bunker behind you. Um, excuse huh? me. He has a terms. name now, which I'm not gonna say. He is Baby kind of
2: Yoda.
1: Technically spoilers. Baby Yoda. Okay, everyone's mad about that, the aren't they? Not yet.
0: Now that he has a name. His so, name
2: kind of sucks. His Let's name, just name is be Baby clear. Yoda.
0: That's his fucking name. He's and fair. it's what he. I bet you. I bet you. The writers were like from season one. They were mad about it. They're like, he's not fucking Baby Yoda. God damn it. We're gonna give him a name next season just to fuck with everybody. Yeah. And then they did, and everyone was like, Nah, he's still Baby Yoda. Yeah. That's so, true. like you did well, your best. Well, but look how
2: cute he is! So cute, and he's in Fortnite with Mando, which is pretty cool.
1: Well this can, get, you can
2: have Baby Yoda follow will this you around? Get you
1: playing Fortnite again? No, no, yeah, <laughs> no. But it's neat for those who are still playing. It is, and yes. it's fun to watch. I mean, it really is. It's kind of like that cultural phenomenon. It's like, oh, who are they getting this time? And their little events are cool. I mean, I don't remember anything that happened in the last ten minutes because I was laughing so hard. But. Um. <laughs> Yeah. 15 million players. Amazing. Amazing. Well,
2: Brittany, maybe you won't be laughing at this next story. Oh,
1: no. This is, this is. let me tell you. I have issues. I have issues. Oh, <clears> okay. Do you oh. want to read this or do you want me to read this? Oh, I
0: don't care. I give no shits. I don't care, she says. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, scientists. No, what they said when you didn't care. said, I don't care, said Pierre. And so a lion ate Pierre. So, like, you might want to care about some things in life.
1: Are you saying a lion's going to eat me?
0: It might. That would suck. <laughs> I mean, it could if you if you were sitting with a lion, and he said, "Do you mind if I eat you?" and you just said, "I don't care." Like, well, I mean, if a lion
1: theoretically came into my room right now and was like, "Yo, dog, do you mind if I eat you?" I'd say, "Yes, I mind very much." And then, okay,
0: there you go. So you're different than Pierre then, because Pierre said, "I don't care to everything." Well, Pierre sounds like a dumbass. He was kind of a dumbass. Can confirm (laughs) clearly.
1: Okay. Go ahead, Andrea. <laughs> All right, Andrea. Are we
2: done with this weird <laughs> Pierre line? How did, do you not know this either? No, I have no idea. Okay, what you're I will about.
0: show you the video after the show. It's okay, a, it's a song.
2: Okay, got it. Back to the news, everybody. <laughs> Scientists study why gamers invert controllers by recruiting players for research. So this was an interesting story that came up this week, and is from a site called Unilad. Now, we all know that there's been plenty of debate about why the sanctity of the y-axis should be left alone, and why it should be inverted. Should not be inverted. (sighs) While many would put this down to a preference, it seems that this choice could be useful to scientists. Dr. Jennifer Corbett, co-head of the Visual Perception and Attention Lab at the Brunel University in London, and colleagues as well, Dr. Jap Muniki, will now run tests on the inverted control players perceived the world. Corbett explained to The Guardian that they were in Inspired by a discussion the outlet hosted and thought it would be a useful avenue to explore. Quote, although it's not a per se, a topic we'd study in our lab, we had to pause regular EEG and eye tracking experiments due to COVID and shift to online experiments. This was the perfect opportunity to pursue such a question, especially given how much this has excited the hardcore gamers in our lab. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) Which I thought was really interesting because this is obviously like a long running debate here at What's Good Games as our one Brittany Brombacher plays inverted. I'm special.
0: You are. You are. are I I do wonder what it will say about about the brain. Yeah. Mm, You know.
2: The study is going to focus on how players who prefer inverted controls perceive and interact with games. Corbett detailed the study further, saying, Generally, we will be measuring how fast and accurately people are able to mentally rotate shapes and to the extent which, which they rely on different body and contextual cues when making spatial judgments. There are no right or wrong answers in these tasks. We're interested in how people might perform differently. On the back of the study, it hopes that game design can be maximized and even help the performance for pilots. However, there are not a long line of inverted gamers already available, so the study is asking for players between <laughs> the ages of 18 and 35 who use inverted controls to sign up and be part. She added, in a broader context, understanding these sorts of individuals' differences can help us better predict where to place important information and where to double check for easily misinformation in everything from VR gaming to safety critical tasks like detecting weapons and baggage scans or tumors and x-rays. Tumors?
1: I have a purpose. Wait. You normal Joes are useless. But
0: me, <laughs> I can help you check so, tumors. are you going to sign up for this?
1: I was thinking about it. It looks like it just requires four online little interviews and whatnot. So I might. We'll see. It's for you science, do it for Brittany. Science. I for science. You know, I think I will. There's an email address Yay. you have to email. So I'll just shoot it off and I'll be like, hey, I, I'm the person. I'm not 35 yet. So I qualify.
0: Helpful. What? You can't be over 35? They're looking yeah, 18, it says 18, to, 18 to 35. Oh, that's tr- oh God. Oof, I'm right at the cutoff. I wonder why there's Although an age not, cut off like I
2: understand making it you have to be a, an adult who can make your own decisions to be part of a, a maybe like
0: your brain sets a certain way maybe maybe after 35 it's all downhill <laughs> it's all downhill I mean I feel like it
1: started all going downhill after 30 but maybe it's 35 oh boy I'm so excited for the like, future they like your perception
2: is just bad no matter if you're inverted or not after 35
1: <laughs> I don't know <laughs> We got this interesting question from um, Megan, Megan or Megan Milton? Megan. Pa- Megan. Megan. Patreon.com slash Good Games. And she poses some interesting questions. Hey, ladies. As a PhD candidate in neuroscience, I am actually examining why people use inverted controls secondary to my main projects. But most of the findings are suggesting, suggesting is that people do it out of habit and they use the inverted controls because that was the default when... That was the default, was when they started gaming with Microsoft Flight Sim or the LucasArts X-Wing in TIE Fighter games or GoldenEye. Another working theory is that it involves how the player perceives their relationship with the character or vehicle they are controlling. Regardless of why it's done, different regions of the brain respond depending on which control set you use. This means that in theory, these groups of people experience the games differently. So my question to everyone here and for the ladies at What's Good Games is whether you think inverted controls change the way you experience a game. Have you tried the same game using different control schemes? And do you think games will ever force the use of a specific control setting similar to how games may intentionally be hard to create a specific experience?
0: So what's interesting is I did grow up playing Flight Sim and LucasArts uh, X-Wing with the joysticks, Um, Mm -hmm. but I don't play inverted.
1: Yeah, and I've never played those games. And I, I so was that that theory out the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like, especially when you're young, when
2: you learn something a specific way, like you're you just kind of train your body. Obviously, playing inverted or not definitely affects the experience. Like, I can't play with inverted controls. Like, it just, I physically like can't walk yeah, around. It's like, really mm-hmm. hard to
0: retrain your brain to do something like that. Um, it's basically like do everything with your left, your non-dominant hand. Yeah, uh, and it's like. You can kind of do it, but really not efficiently.
2: Right. Now, it's interesting you bring up the training part because I think about the fact that I'm left-handed, but I use my mouse with my right hand because we were all taught to use your mouse with your right hand because you right-handed people think the world belongs to you. And when you're in school, <laughs> all you can get is a right-handed desk, and you're cramped and crunched over trying to write. On a right-handed desk. Okay, I'm not going no, down that No, but yeah, I, that's what I immediately but, thought of
0: but with yeah. Inverted. It's like kind of a left-hand sort of situation.
1: Yeah, I don't know when I started playing Invert. I mean, obviously, as soon as I probably got my PS2 controller and got those little, you know, dual analogs is what I first started The sticks, it. the dual sticks, the right? The dual sticks, yeah. But uh, other than that, like, I can't do non-Invert. And it's only really... I've proposed an issue because most games offer it but there are some games where especially in demos right at like conventions where they haven't implemented the invert control scheme yet and then i'm walking around looking like someone who's never played a video game before because i just <laughs> keep spinning in circles like how do i do this it's very hard um and there has been a few games there's one recently that we talked about on what's good that didn't offer i invert. know i'm trying to remember what game that was it was the disintegration was that it? Oh, yes, that was it. That, that was, was it. it. Yeah. yeah, and the main player hub, you couldn't have inverted controls, and I got so dizzy that I just I couldn't do it anymore. You so were like, it's, nope, it's I'm a done. weird Yeah, it's a weird thing, but uh, it's kind of fascinating that people are actually deep diving into the science of this. I know in the beginning, I was like, oh, I have issues with this. I really don't. I give no okay, good. I was like,
0: "Wait, what are your issues?" Because it seems like they're just doing some general experience. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was just being silly.
1: I don't care. I think this is fascinating. I mean, science is cool, kids, and learning how the brain works is really important for the advancement of humans because we're all kind of going down in a shithole. So it's a good thing. True. Mm-hmm. But no, this is fun and fascinating. But yeah, I will be
0: curious to see what they, yeah, what they come up with. Yeah. If it is just like a right hand, left hand sort of situation, where really not that like major differences, but some slight ones on just which parts of the brains are activating while you're playing. Yeah. Right? Um, or if it's like something bigger somehow, I don't know what it would be, but you never know.
1: Yeah. And I think it's interesting how they think it could depend on the um, relationship with the character and your surroundings. Like, what does that actually mean? Yes. I think it's
0: more of like, so the, Whenever I've talked to inverted players or not it's always it's about the the pin situation like how you as a player think about what you're doing when you're moving that stick yeah. for me if I'm looking up I'm like I'm pushing that way because I want to look that way but like if you have a puppet or something like it's like opposite whatever like it's just like the way I'm like feels like it wouldn't be but I guess technically That's why I'm terrible at is. flight games. Yeah, I always, I always huh. push it the wrong way. Like yeah. when you push up on the back of a puppet, like if the puppet had a needle on the back is of his head. Is that pitch
2: and yaw? Is that what that's called? Maybe. That That'd sounds correct. Fancy or is ants.
0: that the left to right movement? Maybe. Uh, uh, it's it's, not, it's definitely, it's a term, Andrea.
2: <laughs> I got you there. That's all I know. <laughs> it uh, means something and we're probably it mean- getting it wrong. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. But, I- the, but the, pin in, like, the pin in the head... <laughs> Yeah, Uh, I've never thought of it that way. up there, like, then you go down. And if you push down, you go up. Um, But to me, that's, like, the opposite of how I think about it. If I want to look down, I push down. Like, I want to go down.
1: No, like, that makes the most sense. I've never actually thought about it from a logic perspective. Why do I do invert? It doesn't, I don't know. I haven't thought about it because it doesn't make any sense. Because if I want to look up, I push down. And it's like, yeah, you're, like, you're taking off, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, like, how your brain is processing that.
1: Be part of the study for science. For science, study me. I'll be a lab rat.
2: And on that note, we've come to the end of our news segment. We have a couple of quick news blurps. Burps? 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 News burps. (laughs) These are some news burps for you, everybody. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn, Dark Side is three, and additional games are now available on PlayStation Now. Remember that service that no one really talks about that's available that you can stream games on that maybe someday will compete with Xbox Game Pass? But not now. But not not now. Now. (laughs) Now. Or you can get a PlayStation Plus collection for your PS5. But Horizon Zero Dawn isn't on that yet. Someday, maybe. Mm -hmm. Or is it? I thought it was. I don't know. That's not a thing I'll remember. Look at that for me, Mm Britt. Control and Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. Wow. That is a mouthful indeed. Uh-huh. Are now available on Xbox Does that Game that even Pass. Fit on on a box? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh my gosh! Dragon Quest 11 S S: Echoes of an Elusive Age dash. dash Definitive Edition.
1: It's like a Kingdom Hearts title. It really is.
0: I think even Kingdom Hearts hasn't been that long.
1: I feel yeah. like there's been come on some weird, Square.
0: Like, get it together.
1: Some weird ones. Some weird ones. I'm <laughs> trying to. F- it looks like Horizon is not on there.
2: Mm, makes sense. It's a good game. Keep charging for it.
1: All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this segment. When we
2: come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll be right back. And now it's time for some announcements. Did you guys see that we have some fancy new holiday merch? It's pretty fun. and if you want to get it in time for the holidays at the end of the month, you got to make your order soon. You may have noticed that we're in a global pandemic, everybody, and that means shipping is tough. And on top of that, it's the holidays, which means that there are more packages going out than ever before. So just keep that in mind if you want to try to get the fun holiday stuff in time for the holidays. Oh, ho, ho. Exactly. Plus, we have a really fun stream for the Game Awards happening next week, starting at 3 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash what's good games. We're going to be getting sparkled up and we're going to be doing a watch along for Jeff Keighley's big old show. The show itself kicks off at 4 p.m. Pacific time, but we're going to start early and you know, have some chats with you and maybe make some predictions. Should be a fun time. And lastly, just remember that What's Good Games Live is on hiatus. That's all. Welcome back, everybody. It's the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, and we are talking about some video games today. And while I've been mostly playing the same stuff as has Stimer, Brit, you have been playing a new game from Ubisoft. Thank you for providing the code, by the way. For a game titled Immortals, Phoenix Rising. So you and I chatted a little bit about this on the Monday show, but would like to take a little bit of a deeper dive now. So tell us about Immortals.
1: Ooh, yes, I I shall because you asked me so kindly. Sorry, I'm kind of phlegmy from that laugh earlier of a like It's like hanging out in my throat. Okay, so Immortals, Phoenix Rising is a really silly name, but nonetheless, um, formerly known as Gods and Monsters. So it follows Phoenix, who is a stranded Greek soldier, and she's on this island, and... Everyone has pretty much turned to stone, and it has fallen upon her or him, depending on the phoenix that you create, to save everyone and to save the gods. Ooh. Um, ooh la la, ooh la la. And so we were talking about this on the Monday show because the embargo for the game released on Monday, and I last we checked, it was like a seventy-two to eighty-two ish. That was on Monday. It may have changed mm-hmm. since then. And it was interesting listening and reading to the reviews because so many people are comparing this game to Breath of the Wild as if Ubisoft Quebec blatantly said, we are trying to create a Breath of the Wild spinoff, which they've never done. And if you've played the game or seen previews, I mean, I understand some previews might give off a different impression. It's That's not the case, especially when it comes to the combat and the narrative storytelling. Um, And I just think that's unfortunate because I think what they have done with Immortals Phoenix Rising is really fun. It's really, it's it's just a really feel-good game. The writing is, I think, hilarious. As you may or may not know it, you know, Greek mythology. And your narrators are Prometheus and Zeus. And they're more or less always narrating when you're doing stuff. I mean, always is an exaggeration, but, like, you'll come across an item and they'll have, like, a funny little quirk. And I think it's just a really cute, feel-good, colorful, beautiful little game. And I say little, but it's really not little. I was about to
0: say, I feel like this is not a little game. (laughs)
1: It's not. I mean, it really isn't. There's like seven different distinct regions on the map. And I've maybe completed two and a half and spent 13 or so hours with it. Um, Because this game does have a lot of stuff to see and find and do. Whether they're vaults or constellation puzzles or chests you're seeking out. No matter where you go or what you do, you're going to find something to distract you. And I think that actually speaks to me in a good way because I think about Breath of the Wild when it's just so open and vast that while, you know, if you knew what you're looking for, you would find the thing in Immortals Phoenix Rising, you don't have to look far. You're like, OK, that clearly is a puzzle right there. Oh, that's clearly marked on my map. And what's helpful to you is that whenever, wherever you are in the game, you can click on R and kind of just scan your environment. And the controller will vibrate when you are close to honing in on a point of interest. And at that point, you press RT on your map, and the thing will appear no matter what it is. And then you can go chase it out if you want, or you can just let it live on your map. Or if you want to live in complete and utter ignorance and bliss, you just don't scan anything. And then the map just seems empty. And you won't be intimidated by all the icons. (laughs) Just don't look at it. It's
0: not there. It's not real. Yeah.
1: But there's a ton of stuff to find, like I mentioned earlier. But the way the game does progression is it's very like RPG-based, obviously. So in order to increase your health, for example, you need to collect Ambrosia. And in order to increase your stealth, you need to do those vaults, which gets you Zeus's lightning. And the vaults There's about 60 of them in the game. And for comparison, there's 120 in Breath of the Wild. So, like, double the amount. There's a lot more because it's a much bigger game. But the vaults are really fun. Um, You find them scattered throughout the map. And when you hop into them, they give you a variety of puzzles. It can be a combat challenge. It can be a puzzle where you have to shoot your arrows in a specific order and hit certain targets. Or it could be like something silly with platforming or physics. There is a pinball puzzle in there that I came across that was really fun. So that's that's definitely like unique. And I personally, again, if we're going to go off the Breath of the Wild comparison, think they're more fun than the Breath of the Wild shrines were. And I don't know if that's because there's less of them and they were able to spend more time. Ubisoft Quebec was able to spend more time making them feel much more different and unique. But that's just my little humble opinion. You can increase your bow damage, your sword damage, your axe damage by collecting certain colored gems throughout the world, finding them in chests, defeating enemies, and same with your armor proficiency. You can increase your potion capacity more or less the same way by collecting um, items and flowers and stuff around the world. And you collect coins of Caron to upgrade your skills or acquire god abilities. And that's, again, all found while exploring the world. So... It's a lot, and I don't know if I'll finish it, but what I can tell you is I'm having a really good time just kind of exploring and just being in the world, and it's really colorful and really pretty. And again, it's really kind of feel-good and lighthearted, and I think the writing is just really funny, too.
2: It makes yeah, me Yeah, the good. time that I spent with the game... I also noticed that the humor and the writing really shine through and that's something we don't really get in games like this very often and it kind of sometimes is a little on the nose but it never felt like grown worthy right like I felt like the jokes still had like a like a, a nice charming quality to them and I think that that's such a refreshing take on the Greek mythology Narrative because we've seen this done so many times, not just in video games, but in TV and movies. And sometimes these Greek stories can get a little tired uh, because of the same stories. But I really like that they kind of took a comedic spin to it because I think it plays really well with the whimsical art style of the game. Um, I think my aversion, like you, to potentially finishing this game is just that it's yet another. Big open world RPG to add to the list of big open world games that have come out in <laughs> yes. 2020, and I'm like, oh, I really do want to spend a lot of time in this world because I had so much fun playing. And I really enjoyed the combat, but I just don't know if I have the mental bandwidth to to do another one when I'm like knee deep in Assassin's Creed Valhalla.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point because I'm seeing a lot of comparisons again to Breath of the Wild, but more so it's like AC and Breath of the Wild had a child. And since you've played both games, how do you feel about that comparison? I think that
2: it's far more Assassin's Creed feeling than Breath of the Wild. I think the reason why people keep bringing up Breath of, Breath of the Wild as a comparison is because the art style, first and foremost, looks a lot more like Breath of the Wild than it does Assassin's Creed, because obviously Assassin's Creed feels a little bit more photorealistic than this does. This feels very much like cartoon animation style. And also the traversal mechanic, right? The ability to be able to climb pretty much any surface with a stamina bar and then be able to jump off of a cliff and use your wings to float is very Breath of the Wild, right? Mm-hmm. But Other than that, that to me is where the comparisons end. I think the way that they do puzzles is completely different. I think the way that they do gear and upgrading is way better than it was in Breath of the Wild. They don't break Um, Simon. You don't want your stuff breaking everything? No, I don't. I don't want (laughs) gear to
0: degrade literally ever. Game designers, please stop. annoying. I'm like, why are you punishing me for playing your game? I'm trying to be nice to you.
2: (laughs) Like, make me chase higher level gear, sure, but don't make my gear break, you monsters. Correct. Ugh. But to me, that's where the comparisons end with Breath of the Wild. To me, that's where the comparisons with Assassin's Creed pick up, right? Because there's a lot of the same team that worked on this game uh, between Assassin's Creed and Immortals. And I think that, you know, some of the stealth that you see in the game is taken right from Assassin's Creed. Some of the combat is taken right from Assassin's Creed. Uh, the gear system even feels like it's taken from the modern day Assassin's Creed, even the menus. When you look at some of these menus, like kind of reminds me a bit Pegasus, of some rainbow uh, Pegasus. I mean, rainbow Pegasus was in Assassin's Creed and like, there's was, nothing was it rainbow. Wait, what was that? I said, was it
0: rainbow in Assassin's
2: Creed? Oh yeah. you had a little rainbow trail that followed you when you galloped. Were, it was great. Were the wings rainbow. Uh, the wings
0: weren't rainbow. The okay. wings oh, okay. were The white. rainbow was just the, okay. Yes. The, the horn was rainbow. Ah, the okay. unicorn horn got it, got it, got was, it. was rainbow. I remember having Pegasus. I just, didn't, he didn't look the, the same.
2: No, no, definitely different. And there was okay. also, um, a black version as well, which mm-hmm. was super cool. Um, so I think that there's nothing wrong with them taking some of the core tenets of the Assassin's Creed franchise and bringing them into a more approachable RPG because obviously Assassin's Creed is very violent and bloody and it's a mature rated game and should be. And this game seems like it's a lot more approachable and probably more family-friendly For, you know, probably teen gamers and maybe even, like, early teen gamers than a game like Assassin's Creed is. And I think that that's awesome. And from what I've played, I've been having a good time. Is this game going to light the world on fire? No, of course not. But is it a a really fun game to play? Definitely.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think the question you have to answer yourself as a consumer is knowing that a certain Cyberpunk 2077 game comes out in just next week. Oh, God. Next week, you know, because this isn't a game I think you can finish in a week. I mean, it is if that's all you oh, do, no. <laughs> right? Like, that's like your life.
0: Yeah, there's definitely, it's definitely possible to do, but I think for most of us, yeah, not probable,
1: right? Um, but I mean, I definitely think it's it's worth playing if you're looking for something like Andrea was describing it. Uh, we did get a question from Ofic- official Prime Six: Do you think Immortals: Phoenix Rising will get a sequel? Would you be interested in seeing it grow to a franchise, or is it dependent on the lasting effect and DLC of this game? I mean, that's a great question. Yeah. I think if
2: we look at the Ubisoft formula with their other games, that they are probably going to put DLC out first before we look at getting a sequel. I would have preferred if they had just put this game out outside of the window of both Watch Dogs Legion and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Right. I think Ubisoft really made a mistake in launching this game within weeks of Assassin's Creed Valhalla, a game they knew was going to be a 100 to 200 hour game without <laughs> any of the post content, you know? Because we saw how big Assassin's Creed Odyssey was. I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you put another big RPG out? <laughs> Which,
0: I don't know. It's been, like, yeah, there's just been a lot of really big rpgs out this fall and i'm like this looks fun And when i watch the trailer it looks fun And when you're talking about it it seems fun and i'm like oh this would be really cool to like jump in and make me feel good for a little bit uh but then i realized that i just don't have the bandwidth for yet another one of those types of games so honestly if this was a shorter like if this was like a 10 hour game that was more linear i probably would <laughs> would get it um but i just like the thought of another open world game, even if it's fun and well built right now, I can't do.
1: Yeah. yeah. That was my thought, too, is right now I'm still it's, it's at that stage where when I'm not playing Immortals, I'm thinking about it, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'd like to get back and hop in and explore and see what I can find. And then I remember there's five more regions that are completely untouched that I still need to get to. And I'm like, gosh, shit, like it's just not it's just not going to happen. And I think I can see growing fatigued, you know relatively soon if this is the same more or less formula because a lot of the reviews of people who have finished the game has said you know the opening like 10 to 15 hours like they're new and they're exciting and there's fun stuff to do but after that is kind of when it starts to feel very repetitive and there aren't a lot of new mechanics introduced so it's more rinse wash repeat more of the same right and i think that's probably why i won't finish this especially again with you know one of the, the most anticipated game coming out next week But not to say, like, it's not worth picking up or looking into, because it absolutely is. But I think just the timing was a little borked.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for
1: sure.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's not their fault that um, Cyberpunk 2077 got pushed, but it is their fault that they decided to release in December in the wake of their other two big open world games this fall. I, I still think releasing Watch Dogs and Assassin's Creed so close to each other was a mistake. But... Obviously, those games are a lot more different than Assassin's Creed is with Immortals: Phoenix Rising. But um, I'm glad that you've been enjoying your time. I, like you, hope to get back to it someday. When that day is going to happen, who who could say? Um, <laughs> as I mentioned, ball. I've <laughs> <laughs> exactly I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm about fifty hours into the game um. now. And I feel like I'm making some good progress, but I still feel like I'm maybe halfway through (laughs) the main campaign, which is bonkers to think about. And I've only unlocked one of the like mystical realms, and I completed everything at once. I was like, listen, you can wake up from this dream. So there's a person in your settlement. And you can unlock the seer hut, and she gives you a bunch of of drugs. <laughs> She's like, go get these herbs, and I'm going to send you on a trip. And then you have these visions, and you go to these mystical Norse places. And the first place that I went to, I was like, I'm here now. I can wake up from this dream and then come back, or I can just complete everything here in one run. And so that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> Collected all the things, did all the side quests in this, like, this special realm, and then came back and it worked out in the sense that I was able to level up, but I didn't get any special gear from it. I only got skill points to put into my skill tree. And I was really bummed about that Mm because I collected 30 of these special shards around the realm. And I was like, this is gonna be worth it. This is gonna be some good some good gear I'm gonna get like 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 a a sweet shield or or like a cool sword or something and they're like here's five skill points and I was like wait what? Oh (laughs) I was so sad That's kind of a bummer (laughs) That's like my one big gripe about this game because I'm really enjoying it But the gear is not nearly as good as it was in Odyssey. Like I like that they pulled back on how much gear. Yeah, there it was a little overkill. But now, did they like just pull back too much? They overcorrected, and now I still have. I was still until I decided to finally bite the bullet and buy Helix credits with money, my own money, so I could get something different looking from the shop. I was still wearing the same set of armor that I got at the very beginning of the game. The bear cave, way yeah. way higher level, yes. Well, so that's why, the thing about the gear this time oh, around. Does it level with you, yes. So oh, instead of annoying. getting the same piece of gear at a higher level, which is what you got in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, yeah. Um, and you could obviously upgrade your stuff in Assassin's Creed as well. This time around, the way that they do gear leveling is like the level of your gear doesn't have a number attached to it, mm. it has individual stats, so it's got mm. like damage stats or weight stats and et cetera, et cetera, right? And so as you upgrade it, those stats increase, and it's not as expensive to upgrade as it was in
1: Odyssey. I felt like it was super expensive to upgrade
2: in Odyssey. Um, It's expensive to do the blacksmith upgrades, which improve the appearance and improve the overall stats um, in a much more meaningful way and allows you to slot additional runes in your gear, but it's not as, um, it doesn't feel like as painful as it did. But the downside is that you just don't get as much gear. And if you wanna get a full set of legendary gear, you have to go chase it down in the open world. And that to me is a little convoluted sometimes. Cause then you have to, if you don't wanna just do the exploration on your own, which, you know, if, if you're pressed for time, maybe you don't. You have to spend money than to buy maps from vendors in the world to like unlock where you can find the gear. So that mm-hmm. whole process of of finding the gear and chasing it and doing the upgrading is not as smooth as I would like it to be. I hope that they can refine that for future content that's coming. And I think that they're getting close to it feel, it's feeling like a good chase, but... I just feel like I'm not, again, like I feel like I'm just making slow progress. It was about here in my journey in Assassin's Creed Odyssey that I dropped everything down to easy because I was like, I'm not moving fast enough like I this is taking too long (laughs)
0: yeah I
2: I need to move faster I don't need I don't have 150 hours to dump into this game because I put 100 hours into Odyssey and still haven't touched all of the DLC that I paid a lot of money for
1: (laughs) okay girl make a prediction when are you going to finish Valhalla um. Oh my gosh, Brittany, <laughs> is it going to be like another year, New Year's maybe? Oh, you think so? Okay, I was just thinking. Well, I out. mean,
2: I anticipate us hopefully getting access to Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven soon, mm-hmm. but I don't know when. And believe it or not, I actually am not as excited for Cyberpunk as I was. Oh. I think that they have just shoved their marketing campaign so much in my face on tv on twitter on youtube that i'm like you know what i don't want this anymore <laughs> like they're oh, like you. you you're hitting me over the head with marketing and i'm s- like i don't i don't want it any- i don't want it. it's anymore.
1: turning you off yes you're like and that, that hasn't happened to me before you're feeling a little it's like-, like when you
2: hear a good song on the radio and yeah. it's good the first like 25 times you hear it and then every time you get in your car that same freaking song is on and you're like listen i liked the song once there was a time when this song was my jam when i listened to the song over and over again but now you like turn the radio off when it comes on that's where i'm at with cyberpunk marketing I'm not gonna lie fair enough
1: no that's fair, fair enough. i mean they're kind of rehashing the same content over and over again and i i get it like i, I understand like, where you're please remember from. We're out soon. Yeah, here, here's like, the get, nomad. Life we, know. we got it. We get it. Got the memo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're all good here.
2: Yeah. And then they keep releasing new stuff. And I'm like, stop. Stop it. Stop releasing new trailers. I don't want to see any more of the game. I've been intentionally avoiding it now. And I never put mutes on content. I just don't do it. Because we work in a, in a era of content creation where we just can't. Like, we need to be aware of what's happening in the news. So I don't use mutes. And now it's like, I almost want to mute Cyberpunk just so I stop seeing the marketing material from CD Projekt Red.
1: <laughs> okay, stop not even about the spoilers.
2: Andrea. I'm not even worried about that because, as Steimer said in the, in, in the previous show, we don't know anything about this story. It's kind of hard for us to get spoiled. It's true. Hear that,
1: friends. Very true. Anywho, She's going to buy your game anyway. Don't market. Yes, I am. Anymore. And
2: like when it comes out, then I'll be like, "Yo, this game is mind blowing." At least I hope it is. Otherwise, it's going to be the biggest flop of all time. That's true.
0: It's going to go one way or the other. We'll <laughs> I don't feel oh, like this going to be a middle of the road. No. I feel like Cyberpunk's going to be a six or it's going to be a ten. At this point, it's, it has to be divisive because it's oh, yeah. been built up for so long. Like, yeah, either people will love this or they will hate it. My inclination says they'll probably love it because I think people in general really like what um, CD Projekt Red does. But, yeah, yeah. you know, Ooh. stranger things have happened. It's true. It's true. Symer, uh, you're yeah. playing some games. So I finished Spider-Man yeah yeah it was really good i liked spider-man a lot i think it is a very good wholesome game also thank you sony for providing me a code and you had to provide me another code because it didn't work like on <laughs> playstation 5 so thank that you that was a whole thing that was a whole thing my playstation was a little confused <laughs> it's fine <laughs> we got it all sorted out um and i don't want to say anything more about it because i think you should all go play it because it's lovely Okay. It's just a lovely little jaunt through New York City at Christmas time. If yeah, you liked if you liked the other Spider Man, you will like the Spider Man.
2: I'm excited now that it's December and I'm um, I'm like all the way in Christmas mode. Obviously, I'm wearing yeah. I'm wearing oh,
0: that's adorable.
2: <laughs> it's really cute. She's wearing it's a this,
1: white. Sweater. It was snap. Yeah, and
2: it's a, a candy, candy, candy cane,
0: cane
1: that's made out of sequins and it's broken in the middle. Oh my god, that's so cute.
0: Yes, this is this is my kind of.
1: My yeah. No, there's something wholesome about playing a game set around Christmas time during actual Christmas time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, uh, it was like that Dead Rising. Dead Rising 4, I think it was.
1: Oh yeah. It
0: was got all Christmas that. themed? Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. All right. Glad you then, yeah once I finished uh finished Spider Man, I jumped back over to Yakuza and I'm playing that still. Um I finally got the night worker job for Yes. Just <laughs> say Chen. And um I'm playing Hades on and off too, like on my switch. So like, I'm just kind of going dabbling back and forth between those two. Also, since Andrea talked so much about it, I started watching Shits Creek. Okay. Yes. Well, I had started watching it once upon a time. I watched the first three episodes and then stopped watching it. Um, yeah, I don't blame you. And then <laughs> you were talking about how much you really liked it. And then we watched a little bit more here at your house. And I was like, all right, maybe I'll just go home and, And fire this up again. So now I I like to leave that show on because it's fun. It's fun to listen to. I sometimes I'm not even watching it, but like I still just hearing it in the background is comforting in some way. So some of the some of the looks though are oh I know. But like I'll go back and watch them again. Like I'm not worried about it. Yeah, (laughs) like we've got time in lockdown. (laughs) It'll be fine.
2: It's true. And we watched all of his dark materials. No, we one episode left. (gasps) Oh, we didn't watch the season finale. No, It was like. 12. It was midnight. Oh, that's true. So I felt like I'm going
0: to fall asleep. I need to go home.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, the first season, because the second season is now out, because Steimer mentioned this book series to me. Yes. And when we were in London for our London meet and greet, I bought the first book, Northern Lights, which goes by the Golden Compass here in North America, from Philip Pullman, the author. And the HBO series got season two uh, premiered about a week ago.
0: Yeah. Two weeks ago, something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been super happy with it. So I, I grew up reading... Um, these books, his dark materials and haven't read them obviously in a, l- a long time, but I remember them just being very near and dear to my heart. But then like that movie came out, and it got, the golden compass movie, the golden compass movie came out. It was like, and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, wasn't there a game? Maybe, maybe not. Oh, yes. There was also okay. a shit game. Uh, <laughs> the, the game and the movie were around the same time. Got it. Um, and then I mean like this, the fact that they did such a good job with it on the HBO show does give me hope. Like, maybe, maybe we have the technology now to like do a cool game with this, because the technology of having a daemon change form would be really annoying. Uh, like, so or a demon. I always call it daemon, but uh, I don't think that there's a universal way. I feel like this is like the, the champion show, chomping I think thing. It is supposed to be demon, but I just like saying daemon. It sounds yeah. prettier. <laughs> it does. Like, I don't want to call my soul a demon. So, if you are unfamiliar <laughs> with the the sort of lore or whatever setup of his dark materials basically the the big mysterious thing in it is called dust that's what everyone's always talking about um but in this world everyone's soul is essentially outside of their body in the form of a demon daemon whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you're young it can change into any form it can change into any animal it's always an animal and it's always the opposite gender of what you are um and it doesn't just have to be like a mammal it can be uh insect it
2: can be a reptile it can be uh, hot you get to choose what it is
0: so it's interesting because it's not. it's not it isn't it isn't you right Uh. it's 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 a form of you but it's just outside of your body but it's very much connected They, they can't be too far away from you or it hurts um if any no one's supposed to like touch them it would be like a really weird thing if you touched another person's demon because it's basically your soul um and If you kill, like, one or the other, the other disappears, right? Like, so if Uh. you kill a a demon, the human dies. If you kill a human, the demon just puffs into magic air. Um, But then when you grow up, like, puberty-ish age, your demon settles into a specific form. And it is basically supposed to be somewhat based on your personality. In the books, there's a lot of, like, um, Egyptians are usually, like, birds. There are different, I don't want to say stereotypes, but the... Mm-hmm. But it's kind of what they kind are. Kind of what they are, like stereotypical. Archetypes, forms, maybe? Maybe. Um for you and like your lifestyle, essentially. Like if you do whatever X-type job, you might have. Like if you worked, I don't know, out in the fields, you might have like a dog that huh. is a working breed of dog that goes with you. Um But yeah, so it's really interesting. Um well, I always thought it was interesting. I also just really like animals, so any book where <laughs> I mean are talking about animals. You get a permanent animal friend for life. permanent animal friend sounds freaking dope that can uh, talk that, yeah. yeah that talks to you um what is not to love about this are you I don't just know. talking to yourself then kind of no that's it's a, like it's it's autonomous internal, it's, it's, it's they yeah. definitely have their yeah they have they, they speak on their own like or they but they're can, like your huh?
2: bff like yeah y- you'll have like maybe some tiffs with them from time to time but it's never like at least from what i've read in the books and seen in the show people don't get demons that are like not their friend like <laughs> You don't, like, get stuck with a demon that
0: you're like, I hate this demon. It's no. like, no, it's you. It's you. The the one, um, I don't want to call it antagonistic, but the one I would say, the most strained relationship you really see with the demon and an owner is uh, Mrs. Coulter and her golden monkey, which that's all I'll say. But, like, oh. yes. So, like, there definitely are different versions. Like, her monkey never talks. Um, so, and, like, there's a whole bunch of other things you can go into with that. But um, I really liked these books. They are also... I mean, I guess I'll just warn anybody listening. They are, like, heavily anti-religion. The Magisterium is the big bad in this. The Magisterium is essentially the church who are trying to, like, keep everything quiet about dust and about these findings that are happening in the world. Um, But... If you're okay with that.
2: (laughs) And the idea is that this dust is not like dust you clean off of your shelves Uh, or whatever. It is a magical. It's it's like magical dust that supposedly causes people to sin and that children are (laughs) immune to dust when they're young and that as they grow up and their demons settle that dust permeates their body and they can't escape from the sin that dust causes
0: them to do.
1: Well, it fucking sounds fascinating. Very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The books are cool. The books are really fun. Uh, I think the world is really fun. There are giant uh, armored bears, which were really... It, I was so happy with the way that they did that in the show. I think they really did a nice job with it. So basically massive polar bears, but with armor on that talk to you, like, <laughs> fuck yeah, let's go. Um, I always wanted a... I wanted a bear friend. I just loved these books because I was like, yes, I want all of this. There's witches in this book. I also wanted to be one of the witches. They seem super cool. Everything you just like, you meet all of these really interesting people throughout uh, Laywer's journey, and I, I really thoroughly. Would enjoy you say them, they're so mature
1: you... books intended for adults? I or... think they're young adult. No, they're young adult. Okay. They're
2: young adult. For like sure. the Harry Potter series is young adult as well. Same as the Twilight series is also young adult.
0: Um, it's better than Twilight, but yes,
2: yes, much it, it's much deeper themes and. Philip Pullman did a little bit more research.
0: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm just saying it's young adult. Yes, it is. It is young adult in in in, in that way. (laughs) Um, He also started writing a few more books in the same series, essentially prequels. Uh, I read one of them a few years ago. I didn't. The second one's out. I need to go get it. Um, And then the third one will be coming at some point.
2: I will say as somebody who saw the first few episodes of the HBO series of His Dark Materials before I started reading the first book. It's challenging to follow the series if you haven't read the books because they mash up events from the second book and the first book together in the first season of the HBO series. And um, when I went back and actually read the books, um, I'm not finished with the second book yet, but... Um, it made a lot more sense. Obviously this is true for most series that are based on Game books. of Thrones.
0: I had to do that. I was literally like, what the fuck is happening? Here? And then I went back and I read the books and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But it was interesting for me. I wasn't sure. I was like, I've read these books. Like I don't want to age myself and even tell you how long ago, a really, really long time, double digits ago. And I, um, I was a little, I was like, Oh, am I, not? but I've, it, it's been actually really fun to watch them because it rejogged my memory from all of these fun moments that happened in the books. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was really cool. I liked that a lot or whatever. And so now I might after watching season two, I might go back and try and reread all three of those because hmm. they were really good.
2: Yeah, I definitely want to finish The Subtle Knife, which is the second book. Yep. Um, but I'm like. And then there's the Amber Spyglass is the last one. Mm-hmm. I have all three of them. I bought them. But they're just sitting on my shelf because I'm reading Rhythm of War right now. I understand. Oh, There's just so much to do, so much to consume. How can we play and read and watch all of the things?
0: You got Can't. like, what I reading a book, what I watching the television. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know how people multitask that stuff. Like, John will play a game and have something on in the background. The only game I can do that with is Animal Crossing. That's I that. can oh. do that
0: depending on the game, right? Like, if I'm not. If it's an open world game where I'm just like doing shit, right? If you're just doing yeah, tasks, yeah. then yeah, it's super easy to be like, I'll throw on a podcast or put on a show and then just wander around and pick up garbage, essentially, <laughs> in this game. <laughs> Huzzah! I collected 20 gold coins. <laughs> for what? Don't know. The percentage completion bar
2: is now For a measly s- skill point. That's it. There's a skill point for your efforts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anywho... Hopefully you guys out there are excited by some of these things that we've been playing, reading and watching. Um, I know that Steimer and I have talked about talking more about books in coming episodes.
0: Yes. Cause though so I'm reading midnight sun cause we were talking about twilight. So oh. midnight sun, if you are unfamiliar is twilight from Edward's perspective. Um, I, well, I guess I could save that later if we want to talk more about books as, at another time. Yeah. yeah but I'll actually. Drop, say a, ju- b- drop Neier, a juicy tidbit. She needs a fucking editor. That's what I'm going to say. Like uh, an actual ooh, editor spicy. who will tell her to cut some shit out. Because, <laughs> dear God, this book feels like it's twice the length of Twilight the original and did not need to be. Oh. Like, we're just, I'm just at the fucking meadow and I'm almost 400 pages in wow is that necessary no it is not no it's not
1: starmer likes a good fat trim
0: (laughs) i just like tell me a story but don't like repeat shit at me while you're telling the story i don't need it i got it i understand his motivation i understand where his head's at i know why he's tormented it's fine like you don't need to remind me every five fucking words i got it you tell him (laughs) simer get him girl get him be
2: concise (laughs) everybody and that's gonna do it for What's Good Games this week thanks everybody for joining us we will see you back here next week but before the podcast don't forget Thursday December 10th at 3pm pacific time we're gonna be doing a live watch along of the game awards we're gonna be dressing up in sparkles it's gonna be fun you can too and we hope to see you there twitch.tv slash what's good games and for now enjoy your weekend bye everybody